I'm Shannon. And I am Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Uh, this week, Shannon, you've got a book for us. Yes. I'm, as always, excited because I would say 99% of the time, the books that you read have zero overlap with the books that I read. Yes. <laughs> and it's always really fun for me to get the like meat of the book or like the exciting bits of the book without having to read the book. Yeah. And it's crazy so thank to you. think that, well you're welcome. You're welcome. And it's still crazy to me for me to think that out of all the years we've been recording, there's only ever been one book that we have both read. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that wild? It's just wild. Okay, so this week we are talking about a book called The Intuitive Body by Wendy Palmer. And this was a book essentially about cultivating a deeper awareness of the body and trust in its innate wisdom. I think often we forget that we are embodied beings. We use our minds so much to understand things instead of actually experiencing them. And I think with so many folks struggling with mental health and focus and burnout or feeling like a lack of meaning and purpose, or maybe that's just like the realm that I play in all the time. <laughs> so that's why I think there's so many people struggling with it. It just seems it's become increasingly important to me that we reground in our bodies. I have this hypothesis. Remy, this is like an ad here, but I'm going like on this. a little bit of a tangent. Let's go. I have this hypothesis that like after five years of doing this coach work, and seeing people who are pursuing goals, like, I want to have a sense of purpose, or I want to be clear on where I'm going next in my career path, you know, like all of our mind goals that that we go and we pursue, but then we still don't have that sense or feeling, that felt sense in our bodies of satisfaction, <laughs> that I think we're missing the mark here. And I think the mark that we're missing is that we're not thinking about, oh, how would it feel to embody purpose? When I feel on purpose, what is the sensation that comes up in my body? And we don't align ourselves to that mission. We align ourselves to whatever the mission is of our mind, of how we can get a greater sense of purpose. And I think that disconnect is causing a lot of pain and angst. And so a lot of books that I think I'm going to be covering in, in the upcoming episodes for book episodes will be about this topic because I'm just like nerding out hard on it. So anyways, let's, uh, let's uh, start this out. Real, real talk right up straight. Rami, what's your relationship like with your body? Um, I don't know what that means. So like if you and your body were in a relationship, how would you describe it? Are you friends? Are you enemies? Are you frenemies? Oh, we're definitely friends. That's great. Yeah. He likes when I take him on runs. And nice. then he probably also likes all the junk food I feed him. <laughs> Does he really? That's that's like a whole different conversation, but it probably makes the running harder, but I don't think he hates it. Yeah, that's great. And I would say that my relationship with my body has been fraught and disconnected and up until like really getting interested in this topic of embodiment just disconnected. Like, I don't even know if we had a relationship. I was like, just totally disembodied. It was like, just like a head rolling around in the world, totally removed from my body. So just wait, can I tell you my favorite joke? That's so terrible. Yes, please. Always. 
Okay, so there's a there's a head. It's just a head. There's this guy is just a head. No body, just a head. Uh-huh. And he like rolls around cuz he's a head. He can't like he can hop and roll, but he can't like walk cuz it's just a head. Yeah. It's so, like rolling around one day, just doing whatever he does, and he sees a lamp and he like rubs it. Genie pops out and goes, "Hey, um I'll give you one wish. He's like, what is this? Like, most genies give three wishes. He's like, no, I'm not that kind of genie. I'll give you one wish. And he's like, all right, what's 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 your wish? Uh, he's like, I've always wanted to be a grape. It's like, what? He's oh. like, no, but you're a head. Like, are you sure you want to be a grape? Like, you could have a body. You could have anything. He's like, no, I want to be a grape. I always wanted to be a grape. It's like, all right, so, like, poof, like, you're a grape. Rolling around, living his best grape life. Looks both ways to cross the street, cross the street. Boom. Gets splatted by a bus. Moral of the story is you should stop when you're ahead in life. Oh, my gosh. It's just that terrible. Is, that's a terrible so, joke. I, I think um, what's interesting about this, when you ask me about the relationship with my body, I think... As a moderately young person, not a young person, but a middle to medium person, like, I think we're in an interesting place where our body hasn't given us a lot of grief yet. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I have this knee problem. Like, I think of my friend, he has, like, uh, issues with his, like, wrists. And, yeah. like, in that case, I'd be like, oh, my relationship with my body is terrible because it's preventing me from doing so many things. Yeah. So it's, like, an interesting thought about how that relationship is going to evolve over time and it's going to become more and more i think front and center in our lives but for me right now when you ask me that question i go i don't know like it's not preventing me from doing anything so my relationship with it is great Yes, yes. And I think that could be different. Like, I get curious about folks who identify as female and what their relationship might be in their body versus men because of just like the the pressure that is often put on women to appear a certain way or whatnot. Um, But I think first, just like inviting everybody to just take stock. Like, do you even have a relationship with your body? Mm -hmm. Or were you were like, were you like me, where you're just like neck up all the time, neck up, don't even really take a chance to check in. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about that where this book blew my mind is how it redefined the role of mind and body for me. So Rami, if if one is the teacher and one is the student, which one is usually in the teacher role for you? Your mind or your body? Who plays teacher? Who plays student? I think uh, my mind would be the teacher. Uh-huh. And then my body would be student. Yeah. That would be my sense, too. Or or some might say, um, who's the parent and the child? Like, my mind yeah. is the parent, right? My yeah, mind they're, they're is the driving boss. It. My mind is in charge. My body needs to just, like, get the hell on board already. That has been my relationship to my body up until this point. And in the book, Wendy invites us to flip that. What if we began to think about our minds as a student and the body as the teacher? The body giving us a wealth of information that then the mind could like go and act upon. Oh. So that alone, I think, is something just to like sit with. How would you be different in your life 
where might you begin to back off? Like I've talked about burnout a million times. If I had let my body be the teacher and my mind to be the student when I was really burning it out at Target, mm-hmm. that would have looked so much different. <laughs> but instead it was the other way around. And I was forcing my body to just keep going along. Just like suck it up, buttercup. I'm in charge here, says the mind. You've got to just come along for the ride. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think of like yoga and how you like feel all the pieces of your body mm-hmm. and how infrequently I do that at least. And I think how infrequently most of us do that, which is just like feel our body and let it like tell us things. Yes. Yes. And so in the book, she, she actually talks about that. So thinking about our minds, we, we ask our minds the questions as if they are the student and we let our bodies answer as a teacher would. So for example, your mind might ask the question, should I take this job or not? Pause. Stop. Like, feel some sensation that may or may not be happening in your body that might guide you to where things want to go. Give me an example. Do you have an example? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I encourage folks to look for when they're just beginning to tune in for sensation in their body is simply like constriction or expansion. So if you were posing this question to yourself of like, oh, should I take this job or not? Is there a constriction happening in you? Are you tightening? Are you clenching? Are you locking down? Hmm. There might be something to look at there. Or does it feel like a, Ah, like soft, ready to open, like expand sensation within you. And then what if every uh, question makes me contract? Yeah, I think then how do we invite your body into conversation, right? Like actually talk and, and see what does your body need to feel safe? Because constriction is is a, a lack of safety response. Yep. So a different example I can give, I was asked to speak at this event at my alma mater, and I noticed both constriction and expansion in me right away. And I was like, what the the hell is that about? And when I really got into dialogue or conversation with my body for a minute, I noticed I felt like I really wanted to do this thing, but I felt really funny about being a white woman up on stage because this university is over 50% BIPOC. And I thought if we really want to drive anything home for these students, I would really love for them to see someone that looks like them. And so then like modifying the request back to the organization and saying, hey, can I like co-host with somebody? Like, can we make this like, and that felt so much better in my body. All of a sudden my body was like, oh yeah, I can get on board with that. Like my daughter's black. Like I want her to be able to see somebody that looks like her up on stage someday Mm -hmm. and not just have the me is always up on stage. Is that like another helpful example of where you might be feeling both sensations, but how do you figure out, well, what is needed here to help your body be able to release and relax a little? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then the next part of this is like, well, but like, how do we even begin to notice our bodies? Right. I asked a question on Instagram recently where I was like, do you feel like you even have the language to like notice sensation and like over 65% of people said they didn't. They wouldn't even know how to describe it. So Rami, I'm curious, 
before we dig into this topic too much, when do you take your body's input into consideration for decision making? Uh, almost never. And only the last time I remember doing it was when I wanted to go for a run and it's like wintertime. Wintertime in California. Wintertime, <laughs> yes. Wintertime for me here is much different than wintertime for you there. But it still like gets cold. Like it'll be 45 degrees in the morning. And I remember going for a run, not last week, but the week before. I was like, I don't want to go for a run. It's really cold. And I like got outside. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I got about half a block and I was like, nope, ain't happening. Body's telling me it's too cold. Let's go back inside. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful example of like taking your body's input into consideration as you're moving through your day. I was guessing that it was going to be something related to like food eating or moving or sleeping. Oh, I'm terrible about it's it's not. Tell me more about your oh, I'm curious. Well, I, this is where I say, like, I feel like I have such a l- lean relationship with my body because I don't feel it giving me a lot of feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I say, like, I don't. I, I think my mind overpowers my body when it comes to food or at least food. The only time my body overpowers my mind is when it comes to like working out yeah and even then like i think my mind is still trying to overpower my body because i'm Uh like oh i'm running four miles and after two i'm like yeah i would love to stop and my mind's like no you got to keep going so it's like i think i just i'm in that mindset where my body hasn't shut down on me enough or restricted me enough to actually have a real relationship yes yes and I would stand to guess that you're not alone in this. I'm guessing like 95% or more of our listeners are going to be nodding along to the thing that you just shared. I could nod along to the thing that you just shared. Like for, I'm 35 and I'm just starting to give a crap about the inputs that my body might be giving me in terms of like what wants to happen next or what we want to do next. And I'm grateful that it's not taking me until the point where I really need to listen, you know, like where I'm Mm -hmm. falling apart physically because there's so much wisdom that is in our bodies. If we just learn to listen, if we just like give them a vote at the table, that is the decision makers of our life instead of just letting the mind be in charge all the time. How do we do that? Well, I think the, the first step is to just begin to take pause and like tune into your body and actually get physically present. So one of the basic practices that Wendy mentions in her book is what she calls grounding or finding center. Candidly, I don't care for her version of this practice, so I'm going to offer a different one. So there are three elements that you might feel into when you're doing a grounding practice. The first one is your height. So we're going to slow down. We're going to do this real time. So... First, you're going to get a sense of what your dignity line is. Our height is associated with our felt sense of dignity. So I might put a hand on my belly. And like take some deep breaths. And let my feet ground into the floor a little bit. And get a felt sense of roots rooting down to the ground. As I exhale... And as I inhale, 
getting a little bit taller, thinking about a spiral connecting me up to the sky. And doing that as many times as we need in the breath pattern until we get a sense of our full height. Inhale, connecting up to the sky. Exhale, rooting down to the ground. And there are teachers that I've done this practice with that could take five minutes just on height. But in the interest of podcast time, we're going to make it quick. So the next dimension that you want to get a sense of in your body is your width. So for me, I feel a lot of my width in my shoulders. So giving myself permission to take up space. So I might notice like in my width, like, oh, my shoulders are hunched over. How do I go out left to right and take up a little bit more space? I might even put my palms up and open as if I'm standing in mountain pose in yoga, you know, and really get a sense of like width and the width of your body and how much space you feel comfortable taking up in the world. And then the third dimension is depth. So depth is an interesting one because depth, first we're going to go to your back. And sometimes if I'm doing this while I'm standing, I like to shift the weight from the balls of my feet into my heels and even like shift my whole body weight more to the backside of my body envisioning almost like I've got a dinosaur tail behind me to remind myself of what's behind us in my experiences, who's supporting me in my life, um, what skill sets I'm bringing in to what is then in front of me. So in front of us, when we then move into our depth from the front body and lean in a little bit, maybe on our toes, getting a sense of future generations long past you that will be impacted by the actions and the way that you choose to live today. I like the sense of movement there from the support and what's behind us as like a swing into what's in front of us. Like that sense of depth kind of is fluid. So we moved through that super fast. But I think, again, how do you just, even if it, even if it's only a 30-second practice for you, how do you make it a practice to get a sense of your height when you need dignity, your width when you need a little bit of permission to take up space, or noticing maybe when you're taking up too much space in a room, and your depth in terms of sense of security of what's behind you and sense of vision for what's out in front of you, maybe even generations out in front of you. And doing this practice of centering really allows us to clear the slate. And as Wendy says in the book, be being open and empty, like a cup waiting to be filled. She calls it mm. the, the state of not knowing. And in the state of not knowing, intuition can arise and innovation. She didn't say this in the book, but this is my personal belief from learning more from other teachers. Innovation arises in the state of not knowing. If we're really committed to knowing, (laughs) there's no curiosity in knowing. Curiosity comes in not knowing. So how can you ground and center so you still feel like rooted and strong and whatnot, but yet open and curious and to what you may not know in any moment? Yeah. I like that, Shannon. Yeah. Height with depth. 
And the idea here isn't always to be centered. Like, it's not like I'm walking around through my days and I'm just like this perfectly centered, balanced being. But it's more about beginning to practice the skill of coming back to center. Especially when you feel like you need to tune in to the wisdom within your own body. Yeah, I think it's really just like checking in on your body. Yeah. And like doing that because you're always like in your own head. Like, it's hard not to be. Exactly. So it's like, how do you get out of your head and get into your body? Yes. And this is hopefully just like a little baby practice to begin supporting you and getting connected to the body. Okay. The other th- topic that I thought was interesting in the book was dealing with the sensation of fear. Rami, how do you normally deal with fear in your everyday life? Like, you know, like you're nervous for a presentation or a meeting that's coming up in your, in your work day. I either like pace around outside or I will listen to some music to distract myself. Okay. Fascinating. So it's like distraction methods. Absolutely. 100% distraction. Yeah. I'm a ruminator. I don't distract. I like go, like I'm like a drill on the spot, just trying to figure out a way through and I just never do. (laughs) So Wendy suggests that when we've got that felt sensation of fear in our bodies, our, our first move should be to unconditionally accept it. That creates non-resistance, right? When we don't resist what is here in this moment, the aggressive energy within us shifts and opens up to the possibility of change. Change meaning moving away from the fear, like choosing a different way forward. And then this, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so can we just break that down? Uh-huh. So I'm nervous about a presentation. Yeah. I accept that I'm... What am I accepting? I'm accepting that I'm nervous or I'm accepting that I'm doing the presentation? Both. <laughs> Both, I would say. Like, okay, this is happening and I'm really freaking nervous about it. Okay. So let's break it down in terms of like how it, how it might happen in the mind. So it might be something like your mind is saying... The example she gives in the book is like, that's a lousy idea. It'll never work which then creates a fear response in you. So Mm -hmm. in the practice, it would look like acceptance, like saying, yes, that's true. It is a lousy idea and it will never work. Like if you just accept it, that that's where your mind is at right now. And then the question that she invites you to ask next is, and if there were more hope might be an example of a word. Mm -hmm. If there were more hope in my body, what would that feel like? Oh. If there were more curiosity in my body, what that what might that feel like if there were more compassion in my body what might that feel like there's any number of words that you can do here but the sense is like to treat it as something that is additive we don't need to resist what's here it's here but what might we add in terms of a tangible quality into your being right now your embodied state yep to support i like that so we've got fear let's accept it and then let's throw a few more things in the mix and see how that could make you feel different. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm like skipping over from the book, but I'm, I'm hitting on a little bit here is this thing called blending, right? And so by acknowledging the negative voice and accepting it, you allow yourself to come in and blend with it instead of fighting against it. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this somatically through emotion. Please follow along with this here if you can. So I want you to make a fist. Now with your other hand, Try to pry your fist open. What happens to your fist? What's happening? It gets tighter, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Okay, now let's embody what blending might look like. You have that fist again. Now I want you to come in with your other hand and just like gently cup or hold the fist. What's happening to the fist? Oh, it, it loosened up. Exactly. And that's, that's this practice in an embodied way, right? It's the practice of blending with what is, holding it, instead of fighting against it and forcing it to be or do something else. I like this. I'm nervous. I'm going to accept that I'm nervous. And then I'm going to throw some courage in there and see how those two might get me where I need to be. Yes, you're going to support that fist with courage in the hand and see if the hand can then soften and open. Beautiful. I like it. Okay, and then another question that I get a lot and that she addresses in the book is like, well, but what if your body sends you mixed messages, right? Like sometimes we tune into our body and may notice different sensations. I was just doing this work with a client yesterday um, and the, the topic doesn't really matter, but her mind was like, yeah, let's go for it. And her body was like, clenched, tight, gripping, totally afraid of what wanted to happen next. And I like how Wendy breaks it into three different centers in the book that you might tune into. So there's the head, right? Our thinking center that we're, mm-hmm. that I shouldn't say we're all, I'm really good at working from my thinking center. <laughs> there's our heart, which is our feeling center. And there's our hara or our belly, our gut, which is the doing action center. So I'm curious, Rami, which of these three, head, heart, or hara, do you feel like is your default or your strongest that you're most in tune with for yourself personally? My head. Yeah, yeah. I would say the same is true for me. I feel like I'm getting a little bit more balanced within them, but for sure my head or or even potentially my hara was really yeah, hara. was really strong before where I would just like not think and just move into doing your action do, all yeah. the time. All the time. So when we are feeling like a struggle to take action per se, maybe there is something that we're like, oh, I really like, I know this is the right next thing in my business or my career, but I'm just like, I can't seem to like do it or move forward. It's called a split when those three centers are not aligned and splits, as I just said, are basically like when we're immobilized, we're struggling to take action. So what Wendy encourages in the book is how do we check in with each center to let them talk with each other and see like where, where do we need to do some work almost to unify them? Sometimes that's by consensus and sometimes that's by encouragement or securing safety. Yeah. I'm like visualizing it as like, cause we're talking about head, heart, and then horror, like our tummy. Yep. And like seeing them like on a straight line in my body. And then when one of them is out of line, I see it like going in front of my body. And so it's like no longer a straight line. I love like that. you're not going to get the electrical signal through. Oh, I love that. And it's like, how do you push that one back in line so that you can get that signal going? Yeah. And I might invite more compassionate language. So instead of like push it back in line or force it back in line, because that's probably what our head center is doing to our feeling center quite often. Yep. So instead of pushing it back in line, it's more about like, how do we begin to treat these parts as as equals instead of like, again, mind is always the boss, mind is always the teacher. What would it look like if mind came to heart or hara from an equitable perspective of like, hey, what do you need to feel safe taking this next step forward? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so let's wrap this up. There's a quote 
that I love showed the book. Um, and I'm just going to share it. We become seekers because we are hurting or suffering in some way. We think if we find the right teacher or form or insight outside of ourselves, our suffering will end and we will be happy. Finding a teacher or a form in and of themselves will not make us happy. Integration, deepening, and unifying within ourselves will. Ooh. So, I like that. again, if we go back to what I said at the top of this episode, I think so many of us have like become these frantic seekers. I include myself in that because we are constantly working from a not integrated place, right? Where the mind is just running the show and head and heart, or, or Hara and heart are just left to the wayside. And the way forward is to begin to pursue integration instead of thinking you need to keep reaching for something outside of you. <clears throat> because at the end of the day, all action happens through the body, right? Mm -hmm. So it's time that we get to know it, that we let it be our friend instead of overriding it all the time. So let's take this into tactical. Like, what the hell, Shan? You just talked about a bunch of hippie, hippie, woo-woo shit. You made us <laughs> do this like crazy embodiment exercise. But like, where do I go from here? I think there's a couple basic practices you might start with. Play with letting your mind ask the question still, but letting your body have a chance to give an answer to. That's practice one. Practice two is establishing that simple grounding or centering practice. So a really short version might be, I'm just going to put a palm on my belly with the middle finger in my belly button as a reminder to come back to center anytime that I need it. I do that on Zoom calls all the time because nobody can freaking see where my finger is. <laughs> where that hand is on my belly. <laughs> yeah. And then the third practice is a little bit like going back to the first question, but checking in with more than one center when you're making decisions. So yes, there's your head, but there's also your heart and your heart too. And at the end of the day, you've got to find a way to create unity between them. If you're ever going to be able to move into action. I love it. Shannon, thank you for, walking us through the intuitive body. I'm excited for more of these types of things to kind of start to build that relationship and, and figure out how to become friends with my body. Yeah. All right. We'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram at workplace hugs and give us your thoughts on this episode. It's like, it's a little different one. And if I'm honest, I'm a little vulnerable as I'm sharing these <laughs> with you. And also it feels really important. There's some, some sort of knowing in my own body that says it's important that we talk about these things. Absolutely. With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs.